Since New York's eviction moratorium expired last year, evictions have risen across the state, as you might expect. But in Sullivan County and in many other rural counties in New York State, people are being evicted even more than they were being evicted before the moratorium, even before the pandemic. And these are the counties that are actually the least equipped to deal with housing issues. Radio Catskills' Phoebe Taylor-Vuolo reports. I'll pull in the driveway. This is another one of these small complexes. Marty Colavito is driving around rural Liberty, New York, in Sullivan County. All week, he and his wife, Lynn, deliver food and groceries to people in need across the county. They've been doing it since the pandemic started, and now they serve around 600 people regularly. But lately, all along Colavito's route, people are just disappearing. They're getting evicted or they're leaving because they just can't afford to stay. So when, when I first started delivering here, I was delivering to, you know, 10, 12 people. What happened was they're all gone except for one person here. Uh, there's still some people up here, there, but they're redoing it again, and the rents are going up. The rents are going through the ceiling. Colavito says the tenants who are still around are nervous. They're worried their housing complexes will get bought up and they'll have to leave. He stops by another apartment. The person who lives here, every time we deliver to him, he gives me an update. I don't know if I have to leave or not. I don't know if I have to leave or not. Um, I I should know within the month. And the stress and anxiety that that perpetrates is, 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 is palpable. All along his route, Colavito sees people living in poor housing conditions. There are leaky roofs, broken doors, and missing window panes. But he can't just hope for these properties to get fixed up. He feels like once that happens, rents will rise even more, and people will be forced to leave. It's an impossible choice, but he says sometimes poor quality housing is better than no housing at all. In 2019, evictions impacted nearly 6% of rented households in Sullivan County. When the pandemic hit, that number dropped down to just over 1% for two years. But last year, with the end of New York's eviction moratorium, eviction filings shot back up, affecting over 8% of households. If there's one word to describe housing in Sullivan County, it's chaotic because there's just, we're going in so many different directions right now. That's John Little, the county's commissioner of health and human services. He says part of the problem is that Sullivan County doesn't have much middle to upper class priced housing. That's a pretty common issue in rural upstate communities. There's limited housing stock and much of it is deteriorating or in need of repair. Usually that would make it more affordable. But with a recent wave of new demand, local tenants are competing with developers, Airbnbs, and new residents from New York City for the same housing. There's not a lot of inventory there, so they're buying down to that group of houses, which is driving the price up for somebody that can only afford a $75,000 to $100,000 house. Think about that in terms of rents. It's driving rents for people that are, you know, really struggling to get by. It's making obtaining housing extremely difficult. And as rents rise for tenants, costs are going up for the county, too. The cost of emergency housing, like motel rooms, has tripled in the last five years. Last year, the county spent nearly $1.6 million on emergency housing to keep people off the street. Little says with deteriorating housing conditions, code enforcement has gotten more proactive. But that also means they're condemning more buildings and displacing tenants. 
All in all, Little says Sullivan, like many rural upstate counties, ends up treading water, stuck making tough and often inadequate choices. Russell Weaver is the director of research at Cornell University's School of Industrial and Labor Relations. He and a team recently put together an online tool to track eviction trends across the state. They found counties where eviction rates are higher than pre-pandemic levels are all located upstate. The bulk of filings are still downstate and in urban regions just because of you know, sheer number and volumes. But in terms of filings relative to the number of, of rental units in a county, um, you know, Rensselaer was at the top and, and Sullivan County isn't too far away from that. Weaver says part of this is a backlog following the two-year eviction moratorium. He says with a statewide rise in eviction rates, rural counties are especially vulnerable because they often have fewer protections for tenants, like rent control laws or the right to counsel. Weaver also points out that eviction data we have for rural counties like Sullivan is likely an undercount. That's because rural town and village courts tracked filings differently than city courts. So much of the eviction policy solution does focus on cities, especially downstate. Um, But because we don't have the data at the town and village court scale, we could be missing um, a whole host of related concerns in more rural communities. Weaver argues it's important to explore this data on a more detailed level to find solutions that work for both cities and rural areas, such as strengthening protections for tenants and increasing access to housing. In the meantime, Marty Colavito says he'll keep delivering food to people across Sullivan. He says it's not that he's afraid of change. New construction, new demand, none of that is what worries him exactly. Once you construct the housing, what are you doing with it? Are you constructing the housing to move people out? You know, or are you constructing the housing to have livable housing for the people that have kind of anchored what little economy we've had for generations? You know, those are the questions. In Liberty, I'm Phoebe Taylor-Vuolo for Radio Catskill. And this story is part of a series in a reporting partnership between Radio Catskill and the Times Union exploring the housing crisis in rural communities. And you can read Phoebe's story, the written version of this story that you just heard, tomorrow in the Times Union at timesunion.com. And not only that, you can hear Phoebe talking about the piece and more right now because Phoebe Taylor Wallace is joining us on the phone. Phoebe, thank you for being here with us. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me. And thank you so much for this this very special report. I know you've been working on it for a while. I know that you've uh, <laughs> spent a lot of time in Sullivan County uh, looking around and talking to folks. And um, also, I just want to say for the listener, you may have heard Phoebe uh, before now on some of the other stories that we get from the New York Public News Network. And uh, Phoebe often operates out of WSKG. So uh, I'd like to thank them as well. Uh, Phoebe, uh, what, so what didn't go into this piece, uh, this f- five, five and a half minutes that we just heard? What wasn't in here that you would have liked to get in there, but you may not have uh, have actually journalistically been able to get in? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I could go on forever, but uh, definitely one thing that I've heard a lot uh, as a concern as far as this sort of limited housing stock is that as an issue for families, um, because, you know, essentially when you have limited housing stock, a limited number of units, you're more likely to have sort of one bedroom, maybe two bedrooms. Um, The county's commissioner of health and human services, John Little, Uh, who I spoke to in this piece, one of the things that he said that really stuck out to me was sort of 
the fact that families, you know, are spending more time in the system uh, without housing, you know, depending on emergency housing, uh, say motel units, because they they can't find them multiple bedroom uh, affordable housing. And, you know, I think that's a huge issue. I mean, across the state, across the country, but I think it's a really interesting thing to think about. And, you know, really there are definitely ripple effects uh, when you think about what that actually means for people dealing with this. Um, so that's something for sure. And that makes me think about how the first time that, that, that I heard locally just as a resident, but the first time that we heard it here in our reporting, the term, housing crisis being used yeah. in Sullivan County came from Sullivan County's former uh, Human Rights Commission director, Adrian Jensen. We had her on air a few months ago, and she was describing this housing crisis and describing a similar sort of thing that you were just talking about there, which is that uh, essentially people are falling through the cracks and people were going to the Human Rights Division because that that just kind of underscores the holes that are there in the infrastructure, whether the the infrastructure to support people that are in need isn't there in rural counties or if it is there, it's whatever is there is getting swamped right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely a crisis. And, you know, it's interesting. I mean, like you said, I'm based out of Broome County over in Binghamton. Um, so I work with WSKG a lot. And, you know, a lot of, I would say a lot of these issues overlap, of course, um, the lack of housing stock, sort of deteriorating housing stock, and the way that people are falling through the cracks. But the thing that I think is really interesting about Sullivan County is, and sort of the whole, you know, Catskills, Hudson Valley area as well, like, it, there are there are these issues that we all are facing upstate, essentially, but, you know, Sullivan County is seeing a real explosion in population. Um, and so you take something that is already an issue and you put all of this pressure on it. And it, yeah, it really, I mean, it, it really gets to be a crisis. Um, and, and obviously I'm sure listeners are not surprised to hear that. Um, yeah. I think one of the things that surprised me or, or got me thinking differently in your reporting was if, you know, months ago you had said to me, Hey, there's a shortage of housing for uh, upper middle class and even higher income mm -hmm. brackets of folks. I kind of would have been, I would have shrugged. I would have been like, well, okay, but right. they, they don't have it as bad as some other folks. But what's come out of this is because those are the people that have the means to, to buy what limited housing there is here in this area. Then that's, that's part of what's driving the prices up for uh, the lower income people. Yeah, I thought that was really fascinating because I, I, I mean, I would have had the same reaction. Um, but I think the thing to sort of that I've learned, you know, working on this and sort of to keep in mind is like, you know, this thing is it's almost like an organism. There's there's an ecosystem yeah. of housing. And so there are all of these ripple effects, you know, from every like because there is not this sort of middle income housing um, or even upper income housing. Yeah, everyone is kind of being funneled into competing for the same housing. And that essentially just means that lower income people are going to be out of the loop, that they're not going to be able to, you know, they don't have the means. If you're thinking about homeowners, maybe they don't have the means to, to get a fixer upper and, and repair the whole thing. While, you know, there is space and room and sort of wiggle room for people with, with more income. And so if you're all kind of focused on the same housing and there's just not enough, 
lower income people are going to, you know, end up really with the, the short end of the stick there. And yeah, that's something that would surprise me as well. You know, and the other thing that leapt out in this story, which is one of the main ideas, is not not only is is there a rise of, of evictions that there there's, you know, the moratorium expires, so there's a rise in evictions. Okay, you'd expect that, but the, there's, right. it's disproportionately high overall. It's higher than it was, but also mm-hmm. it's disproportionately high for rural upstate counties like yeah. Sullivan County. And then there's this added thing of, and those rural counties don't quite have the same mechanisms in place to deal with these housing issues. And on top of that, what mechanisms are often in place are geared towards more urban areas because typically this was yeah. more of an urban problem. It's like a quadruple whammy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's like cities, of course, struggle with affordable housing issues, housing insecurity. But I think the important thing to remember is, you know, a lot of rural areas, first of all, simply do not have the capacity. You know, something I'm hearing a lot is like there just needs to be more housing stock, right? Like in a lot of places, there's more demand. There are more people. There's more need. But how do you sort of, you know, a lot of places don't have the infrastructure to sort of just snap into that and immediately be able to deal with that problem. I mean, that's like a long-term solution that is really lost to a lot of places, a lot of rural places. Costs are higher, I mean, for everyone as far as construction, but in rural areas, we know that costs are higher, even higher than in urban areas. Um, You know, infrastructure is usually built for a smaller population and that, you know, like roads, sewage, that these are really fundamental things that cities usually don't really have to wrangle with in the same way. I mean, it's always a challenge, but I think, yeah, I mean, rural areas are really stuck um, dealing with so many different factors all at the same time. And, and, you know, in the meantime, this is happening in real time. I mean, people are living without housing. People are actively being evicted and that this is a problem that needs a solution now, but the the infrastructure is not there. You know, the funding isn't there. There's so many issues to sort of get over before you can help people, you know. Um, and I, that's something I've been hearing a lot from, you know, advocates and, and local officials. It's a really, really difficult problem. Um, and the, the other thing I will say, I don't know if, uh, <laughs> if this is the time, but just the one, the other thing that I, really, really am excited to dig into more uh, is sort of our issue of emergency housing. And I think that's another, as far as dealing with the problem, you know, it's like, okay, you can say we need to build more affordable housing, right? But we know that that takes time. In the meantime, how are we keeping people safe? How are we supporting people who are dealing with this? And a lot of the time, the, the way that we deal with that is emergency housing, you know, whether that's shelters in more urban areas or paying for, you know, motel rooms, Mm. hotel rooms, just so people have a roof over their head in the meantime. And one thing that I thought was really interesting that I had not really thought about before um, is sort of this more rural counties tend to depend more on motels as emergency housing. 
So and yeah, I'm yeah. Please go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, we're we're just gonna have to go. And I want to say thank you again for this because um, th- this was some great reporting, and I'm glad for that little look ahead of where this series is going to go next. Phoebe, thank you again uh, for doing this for us. Thank you so much, Jason. I, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Okay, and again, the story will be up tomorrow on the Times Union at timesunion.com. This is Radio Catskill.